Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing professional esports organizations. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice, so all of the information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Jordan Sherman. Jordan is the President and Chief Commercial Officer of Esports Organization Immortals Gaming Club. Prior to that, he was a Chief Revenue Officer for Gen G Esports. After working as a Director of Corporate Partnerships for the LA Clippers, as well as working for the MLB for a few years. Jordan is also an esports industry advisor for Lost Tribe Esports. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, to start, tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. You know, what was the first game you played and how did you get into the esports business? Sure. So, my career has been um, always in the sports, media, and entertainment. I started, I grew up in Michigan. I went to University of Michigan. Um, I went to New York uh, for professional and I worked in major league baseball for six and a half years. Uh, I worked in sponsorship and business development. And one of the first things that I worked on there was a Facebook game. This is like in the farm bill days, I worked on a Facebook gaming strategy for MLB, which included a game we called ballpark empire, which was you could build your own custom stadium with different attributes of major league baseball. Like, um, you could take the Ivy from Wrigley Field, or the Green Monster from Fenway, and kind of mash it all together in a Farmville-style Facebook game. And as I worked on those games and I thought about different sponsorship opportunities and partnerships to integrate brands into the game, it took me down a really fun, unique path where I started working across sponsorships for the entire league of Major League Baseball, both digital and offline. Um, and after six and a half years of working really hard and on a lot of great accounts there, um, I worked at the LA Clippers and I was in the NBA and I was there for a couple of years. And then I met with the opportunity um, to go to Gen G, which was at the time in Korea. I uh, had a few employees in San Francisco, but was opening up for the first time ever in LA office and really wanted to enter the US market. So this was in uh, early 2018, early to mid 2018. So I met with them and I really liked the vision and I had spent a lot of time in MLB and MBA and thought about, well, I have this experience in gaming from MLB and I feel like I really wanted to take an attempt at building a business from the real early days. So I jumped on the opportunity with NG. Uh, one of the first things we did was extend into Fortnite and we launched the first all women's Fortnite team which was sponsored by Bumble, which was a, a large team entitlement deal. Um, the team went on to be one of the most successful uh, all-women's teams in the sport, including winning at TwitchCon, the first ever um, co-ed champions at TwitchCon and Fortnite, which was great. Um, and then uh, as the years went on, we were really successful. Genji grew. Um, we extended in size. We brought on new teams. And then earlier this year, I got the opportunity um, to expand my scope beyond partnerships and move to Immortals to become the president and chief commercial officer at Immortals. So now I'm overseeing all elements of the business, um, not just sponsorship, but uh, all of elements of revenue and finance and legal and working with competitive and marketing and merchandise and have a much wider scope beyond just the partnership side. So I've been having a really awesome time. It's been a challenge and it's been fun at the same time because Immortals is a brand that has a really interesting and unique up and down history. We, we were in league, we were out of league, now we're back. We had we acquired some teams, we got rid of some teams. 
Um, so it's been really, for me, fun to kind of build the comeback narrative for the brand and start executing on it in ways that people haven't really expected us to do so. Amazing. Well, you know, I definitely was familiar with the stuff you're doing at Gen G and, you know, kind of now with Immortals, they're one of these, you know, top tier one orgs. So tell us a little about your role with them. You know, what's your day to day like What some recent news? I, I saw they announced something recently regarding merch. So tell us a little about what's going on with the team now. Yeah. So we've been in this process of trying to figure out how do we grow the company? How do we resonate with fans and how do we change the narrative? And Immortals in the past, I feel like has done a lot of actually really good things uh, for the fans and for communities around like inclusivity and putting players first. So we want to tap back into that while also keeping an eye on like understanding that Immortals has gone through a transitional period and we kind of owe it to our fans to give back in unique ways. So yesterday we announced uh, zero profit pricing on our merch. So this is a really big step because we launched a new basics line, which is like an enhanced quality line of our merch. And we're not going to take a dollar from it. So we're offering it fully at cost um, and zero profit to us. And it's just really like a thank you to our fans. And it's also um, trying to entice new people to understand that Immortals are going to start doing things that, really help better the community and help esports grow and make it easier to be a fan. So the reaction we've been getting from this group has been excellent. It's been tremendous. Um, and then in addition to that, you know, when I first came in, there was kind of a narrative of the company that um, we were struggling and you know, the previous management and management that's still in place right now has actually done a great job putting the company on really strong financial footing. Uh, where we're contribution margin positive across all of our business units. And so what that means is like every single one of our teams makes more money than it costs to operate them. Um, so what that means is we're strong financially and we have the opportunity to grow and expand. So I've been looking into areas of expansion and decided that, um, you know, we needed to get into a new game and the game that we went into is Wild Rift. And one of the reasons why I wanted to get into Wild Rift was because of its close connection with Riot and League. And, you know, it's a, it's a mobile version of League, which we think could help fans become fans of our LCS team. But also because we were able to work with a player named Hoon, uh, who's one of the best competitive players and also one of the largest YouTube um, subscription numbers. So we found a great player who's both competitive um, and also has a great social following. And we were able to kind of build from a place of strength where we saw that Riot was coming out with a new competitive system that they kind of clued us in on and let us know um, some of the details behind the scenes. And we saw it as like a quick vertical for us to potentially have one of the best teams in the world with a great player in a game that's in the Riot ecosystem and in a division of mobile gaming where most people think, and rightly so, it's... Uh, Asia and Europe, but what we really want it to be is more focused uh, and give it the opportunity to grow here in the U.S. So those are some of the types of things that I'm like, really working on and focus on is like new initiatives that complement our existing ones that provide value to fans and extend the company in areas where we think we can be both financially successful, but also um, grow, grow the org and change the narrative. Amazing. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of stuff to unpack there. And I, I think a couple of big points that you brought up is, you know, kind of figuring out how you can kind of, you know, build on your existing fan base and mobilize them where it's like, yeah, most people have a mobile game. Maybe they're not 
you know, have a high powered PC, but maybe you're interested in the league. Maybe you're a fan of, you know, Immortals in another game. And now there's something that's a little bit more digestible and more accessible where now you can, you know, follow them in this title that, you know, as you mentioned, mobile is definitely huge and it's only going to get bigger. And, you know, Riot Games really, you know, knows how to run their esports ecosystem. So, you know, it's definitely a good kind of bet on that. And, you know, I think that trying to figure out how to kind of bridge back and give to the fans, especially in today's age when, let's be real, a lot of teams and people try to just take advantage. You know, they they see, you know, a way to kind of capitalize on fans' enthusiasm or, you know, eagerness, and they take advantage. So it's nice to see that, you know, you guys are kind of taking the opposite approach. Well, you know, we look at our target demo and we look at our – uh, competitors and together, I think we look at like, what are those areas of opportunities for growth and where can we stick out? There's other orgs out there that are doing a tremendous job. And I think their verticals are really awesome. We probably shouldn't chase those verticals because it's going to be too hard. So why don't we do stuff in a different way that reaches a different audience and helps us grow? I mean, everyone's thinking of like the same group of people. Why can't we kind of grow and expand it? So um, that's like where the you know zero profit merch kind of comes in. It's like if okay, if everybody else is charging a lot of money and our fans are young, and for them merch is like defining of who the brand is in terms of the premium price and the premiumness of it all. Why don't we go the opposite way? And ours is like a basics collection, which still has really high quality, but it's at cost and it's done in a way where it's like a little bit more inclusive in terms of like letting more people in because of the price. Um, but also just being open and like, we're not going to take a dollar from it because we want you to be a fan. And I think that type of narrative is different and cool. Like you don't see that from traditional sports teams. or you don't see that from other esports teams. And so far the feedback we're getting on, it's really positive. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate, isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? 
Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I mean, you know, I try to, you know, I'm very involved in the NBA 2K League. I know that, you know, Gen G kind of is involved in that as well. And, you know, that's kind of the approach that I believe, you know, certain leagues, especially more upcoming ones, need to take where it's, you know, you're building of a grassroots fandom because fans are going to grow up and they're going to tell their two friends and their three friends and they're going to go to an event together because they're supporting a team and, you know, they're going to maybe buy that jersey that time because it's there and you know like you kind of have to build fans because they grow and then they introduce their friends to it and you know you're obviously going to probably root for the team that your friends are rooting if you're not familiar with it it you know it kind of gives you opportunities to bond with other people that are fans of them you know as a yankee fan if i ever see anyone with a yankee hat or a shirt we immediately can say oh like you know what do you think about the game or you know how great is judge and you know you kind of have this instant way to communicate and create a community. And I think that figuring that out, I mean, yeah, like we can have so many more people on college campuses and high schools and middle schools with these $10, $20 shirts than we can if everyone has to spend $50 on a shirt, Yeah, you know, and that's how you really kind of grow your imprint. You know, we had a moment when I was at the Clippers where um, we let, you know, we always would bring our clients to games. And a lot of times we, I would let, I was like, bring your, bring your son, bring your daughter, bring whoever, because it's a, such a cool experience. And I remember one of, one of the clients we went with, um, his son was there and he was wearing, uh, he asked me, he goes, can I buy a Steph Curry jersey here? And I thought that was such a crazy question because I was like, why would you be allowed to buy a Steph Curry jersey at a LA Clippers game? You know, he plays on a different team and the Warriors weren't even playing that night. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, just the way people are becoming fans and like the way the next generation is just different. It's like very focused on players. It's very like, I want things now. I don't want to wait. It doesn't necessarily matter. Like the context in which it just should be available to me. Uh, And that sense of like, I'm going to be a fan of X, Y, Z because you know, my parents were a fan of X, Y, Z. That's not really staying true. You know, kids are pretty much like independent and going their own different route and way. So I think that's really transitioning into esports and gaming. And we, we're up against other teams, but we're also up against like influencers themselves. And in order to like stick out, we're gonna have to do things that are done and and this is beyond merch, but we're gonna do things that it's like a reflection of the way just like media is consumed and the demand is being built. And that's why I think mobile is really big and where we wanna be because there's just more people with phones than with gaming PCs. And there's more, you know, iPads and iPhones is like the first device and switches uh, for this next generation. So if we don't have a built out ecosystem for how we're going to like activate on those platforms, five, 10 years down the line, it's going to be really hard to compete. So that's why we need to start building those foundations today. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, because we know how big mobile esports are in, you know, some of the more developing countries such as, you know, India and Brazil and Latin America that, you know, it also kind of gives you the opportunity to, you know, flex a little bit globally and kind of continue to build on that 
you know, worldwide fan base. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to focus on U.S. Because there's still so much that can be done here. Um, I feel like it's such an under uh, underdeveloped market in the sense of just like, even where you look at like where the teams are, like I grew up in Michigan, for example, and I just feel like it was freezing in the winter and we played games all summer and there's just a great opportunity for there to be like activations in areas of scarcity. Um, so I just think there's like the, the market's going to continue to develop here in a really good, unique way. You know, we were talking a little bit about like COVID stuff um, before the call started. And I also think that's going to be big. Like once we get back into like in-person events, you, you don't think about that because I think the narrative is like gaming was so big. COVID was like, it really helped gamers because they just stayed at home and you're quarantining games, which I think to an extent is true for some publishers and hardware providers. But really, I don't think this industry can take off until the tournaments and like the home games are back because you feed gaming really is social and it's about like getting together with people uh, who share common interests. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think that's going to be really important to coming back and part of our strategy to be ready for it and to be able to host and activate because that's going to be a big part too. Like I think people, you'll see people like getting together around gaming events just to make friends and be together. Um, and that's something that I think we as a company need to be ready for, again, as a reflection of what fans want in order so we can continue to stay a strong financial company um, and, and a brand that's relevant. Absolutely. And, you know, the mobile gaming in general just tend like leads to so many opportunities. You know, you can have a room full of people playing the game together and you're able to match with the person next to you and, you know, play a round of Call of Duty mobile with them. And it's just you know, that whole angle building it up now will, you know, definitely pay dividends in that facet as well. For sure. Yeah, I went to a bar in Austin uh, pre-COVID that was like a gamer bar. And it was cool. Like I, I ordered a drink, I ordered a beer at the bar and they gave you a controller and I was like playing Fortnite next to somebody um, on the screen. And like you just start talking to them because it's a social experience. You know, it's like you probably wouldn't do that if you were just at a bar by yourself and you don't want to talk to anybody you just kind of like on your phone, but because they had four day, we each had a controller and like we were playing on these two different screens. It was great. I saw a group playing overcooked and they were like having like the best time in their life. And I was like, I want to go over there and like meet those people. So that stuff's going to come back and it's going to be really fun to see it. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So kind of turning a little about, you know, working with the organization. So how do you guys kind of decide what, you know, players to sign, you know, I know you mentioned the new title, but just in general, how does that whole process work? Um, in terms of like signing new players or yeah, new and games as well. You know, I always think that it's interesting to get a little idea of how teams kind of look at you know these matters when they expand. Well, so you know, for us, we really are focused on you know, League of Legends is our is our jewel franchise. There's ten teams in League of Legends we have one of those 10 spots. So we're really dedicated to making sure um, that that team is most successful. Riot's been a great partner to us. And so we wanted to continue to build and exist within their ecosystem. So that's why we started with the Valorant team. Uh, and then we kind of built out this Wild Rift team, which we most recently announced. We're also active in the Overwatch League, running the LA Valiant. Uh, and I think we need to kind of work through you know, as new games come up, how how do we enter them and in what style? 
And does it always have to be a franchise model? Because it's going to be hard, I think, for every team to just kind of pay franchise fees and players and kind of get that going every single year and really take that big, big of a leap. So something that I've been really pushing internally, and we're going to have some announcements coming out soon, is finding new monetization routes for us and new efforts of commercialization because the the tried and true model, quote unquote, of like paying a large franchise fee, hoping for sponsorship, hoping for league revenue share, hoping for media rights, sitting tight over time might work for some leagues that we're already in, but that type of structure can't exist in perpetuity. So what we're looking for, you know, similar with Wild Rift is like, does the game have a scene that can grow over time? Is it easily playable? Is it a publisher that we know is going to invest in it? Are the players interested in growing the brand of the company and themselves and promoting what they're doing? So those are the things that we've really been thinking about is like, how do we exist in that space where we can enter from a point of strength where we can, we can do it where we think is financially sustainable. You know, our costs are less than the revenue that comes in, but also it's the right people we want to be involved with from like the publishers and players perspective. And uh, I think you'll see a lot more from us and maybe even like non-traditional games, quote unquote, or things you don't even think about as franchise because there's other games and, and even developers out there um, that I think the landscape is going to be look a lot different. I'd say in the next year or two. Amazing. You know, I definitely think that, you know, you guys really have a good op- you know way to kind of think about it. So tell us a little bit about some of the stuff, you know, coming from the more traditional sports world and what similarities you see between working in sports and esports, and, you know, what are some differences that you've noticed? Well, there's a lot of different things. I mean, I really felt like all along um, in traditional sports, we were so lucky to have such loyal fans. Like you said, you're a Yankees fan. I'm assuming you're a Yankees fan, like your entire life. Like that's, yep. I'm assuming from it dad, from dad passed down to my son. Yes, we are a Yankee family. And you know, that is one thing that we're fighting against. It's like Yankees are in your blood and you're probably, you know, for generations on down, going to be telling people about the Yankees and in your family as well, because you share that experience with your dad and your family. We don't have that in esports. And I think in many ways, it's kind of counterculture where it's like our generation is growing up and like their parents didn't have it or don't understand it. And so one, I think, real interesting difference in trying to like really explain it is like we are entering uncharted territory and we're dealing with like a different generation that has different wants and needs in terms of how it gets content. And in many ways, is like fighting for legitimacy. You don't have that in traditional sports. It's, it's more of like, you have fans that like will root and support the team pretty much in any circumstance, even if you're losing in some cases. I mean, as like- a Jets fan, you know, that that's the dichotomy of it is, you know, every year we're hoping, but you know, like you said, we're not just going to start liking the Buccaneers all of a sudden because they're great. Mm-hmm. Case in point. Exactly. Now the flip side to that is, you know, by the end of my experience in traditional sports, I felt a little boxed in. Like I felt like, these leagues have been around for a really long time. What they have going is great and good. And there's not that much room to necessarily try new things. For example, the Jets will always be a football team. And while they can push in terms of, you know, social media and apps and innovation and in-stadium experience, which is all awesome, 
at its core, it's still a football team. And at its true core, it's still a, you know, selling tickets to the Meadowlands team. You know, like that is like the the real business. And then selling a TV show, basically. Um, whereas in gaming, I think that those those long-term goals are still a little bit unwritten. And that's what I really liked about Gen G. Like when we started the all-women's Fortnite team, it hadn't been done before. And that type of strategy was supported by the leadership team and the management and it ended up paying off because it helped kind of define who we were going to be in terms of like exclusivity and women in gaming I mean, inclusivity and women in gaming. Um, whereas at Immortals, like being able to like extend into a new game or be able to do new merch or be able to kind of bring in new people from across different industries. You just don't get to do that in traditional sports. Like you can never be like the Jets are going to now have an ice hockey team where we're going to, you know, extend into a restaurant business, you know, you, you can't necessarily do that as easily because it's so far from the core. So what I really like as a business person, as a creative thinker, as an entrepreneur is I like building businesses. I like building teams and ideas and being able to showcase, okay, this is a company when I started, it didn't have this. And then kind of throughout the years, we helped build it up. So that to me is a really big difference between traditional sports and esports is like the canvas you have to kind of build. And that's not for everybody because in some cases it's really hard. Like, for example, I think for many brands, it's hard to enter the space and understand how to do it because they think it's a it's a very uh, cynical audience. And what we tell people all the time is like, it's only cynical if you entered in a way that showcases a lack of like respect or empathy. Yeah, if you insult them if you come yeah. at them like at a level of like we're talking down to you yes which you would never do in any anywhere else so like why would you do that in gaming you know so we think that we tell people all the time like take your core marketing strategy and stick to it like build from strength enter the esports in a, in a nice in gaming in a nice like twist like make it gaming ish but don't just completely change who you are as a company because there's no reason to do that. And people will see through it. If you just kind of enter and support, you provide some value. The bar is actually very low um, because very few brands are doing it in that way. So, you know, I've worked with countless really big brands kind of enter the space. And I think we've always done it, position them from strength explain what their product is, how, how it actually brings value to the community or what they're doing. And we've been successful um, because of that structure. Exactly. I think that's, you know, definitely, you know, some really great advice for everyone out there. You know, you don't got to change the wheel, you know, it's kind of working for a reason. It probably will work as, you know, with, like you said, a little bit of a tweak where like, you know, I see on Twitch with Geico where it's like, it's the same lizard, but he's kind of pixelated and kind of doing like a Mario board. So it's like, you're taking your, you know, core marketing, but then giving it its own gaming Twitch to show to kind of give the nod to the market that you're trying to capture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean that, and, and that's, and everyone's kind of doing it in their own way. Like I think Fortnite, the way they're kind of doing the concerts in, in game is super cool and awesome. Um, and, and that, that like kind of works for them. Like they, they're like this place where, where, where you're there. And I think it's smart for artists. It's like, if you're an artist, you can just do a concert inside the video game. You don't have 
Like it's amazing. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's like, we, I always tell people it's the one sentence test. You have to be able to explain it in a sentence. Otherwise you lost everybody. And that's where I've really been pushing the team. Like everything we do got to be able to explain in a sentence uh, or it's not worth doing because it can be very complicated. And the second you say esports or gaming, there's this weird reaction of like, Oh, it's weird. It's scary. It's new. I don't get it. I don't understand it. Blah, blah, blah. But meanwhile, the person has been playing, um, mobile games or, you know, desktop or PC or console their whole life. And it's actually not that scary. So like, for example, yesterday I was in a meeting and we went around and we did a, um, you know, like an icebreaker where we asked people to say a fun gaming fact about themselves. And someone said, well, I'm not really a gamer, never have been, but in high school I was in a Clash of Clans team and we won. Um, <laughs> like, I yeah, was like, what do you mean? Gamer. I was like, you just, you're on a Clash of Clans team. Like, you you're know a what gamer. Clash of Clans is. Yeah. You know, I was like, the fact that you even know what it is shows that you're a gamer. So it's just funny. How it's like, you don't, people don't even necessarily identify with it because it's entertainment and fun. So breaking down those walls, it happens every day. Definitely. So, you know, kind of, you know, switching a little gear. So I know that the organization has some competitive teams, but you also have, you know, some streamers and content creators. So what kind of benefits do you, you know, as an organization see from having, you know, kind of both kinds of talent involved? Yeah. So I, um, it's so interesting. I I think content creators, uh, it's like a whole new line of work that didn't exist when I was kind of growing up. I, I feel like you know, entrepreneurs and influencers was just like not a thing that you could like really pursue 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, you can't just wake up and be like, oh, I'm going to be a crypto influencer. I'm going to play Fortnite all the time. <laughs> you, but but now you, you to the extent of like if you have a PC uh, and you're dedicated to the stream and you have an angle which is unique, uh, whether that's being a great player or being a great entertainer or – doing really good with your Twitch chat, um, having fun and like the games you play, participating in the community, there are angles to do it. Um, I think what's hard is the consistency and being, being excited and energetic and following through on that. But it's a really exciting time. And I think what we're seeing is more educational resources popping up, more production resources popping up for people to learn how to do this. Um, more infrastructure in place and so when we look at pro players it's really hard to be a pro player it's such a grind you have to be so naturally talented and then put in you know the ten thousand hours of hard work you got to participate in the team atmosphere a lot of these people are young you know in, in the younger years of life some some are just out of high school so you know you're growing and changing and maturing on your own so it's a lot to take in that like one day for example we have a player uh revenge who was studying to be a doctor. And so one day you go from like, you know, bio and trying take, doing everything you can to study to be a doctor to you're one of the world's best League of Legends players and you're playing on this global stage. Your life can change really quickly. Uh, and same on the content creation side, like if you stick to it and you grow your audience, it builds up. And next thing you know, one day you're kind of a star and it's like your personality has taken on the personality of the streamer. And so I think it's a really exciting industry. I think for Immortals itself, like we need to be able to live in both worlds and do so in a way that's like not copying other orgs, but delivers value 
for our fans, for our brand partners. It helps kind of push us forward in the right games, the right opportunities. So we're looking at a couple of different options now uh, for how to actually grow the company through content creators, because I think building the right structure around that will help capture the, the more casual gamers because it's still not really sure. Like if someone comes in and loves league, will they be a casual gamer fan? Or if someone's a casual player, can we convert them into league? Or those just can exist as like two separate streams that we just need to have strategies for on both. And those types of pathways aren't fully developed yet. And we have to be prepared to like be successful in, in both measures. And that's why we're kind of building out our influencer strategy more broadly now. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, you know, the biggest you know, point and the value of it is that you're able to be a bit more versatile. You don't always just have to have the best League of Legends player and the best CSGO and, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses effect on the competitive side where you can find people that, you know, have much more of a steady flow. You can predict a bit more how they're going to be a month, two weeks from now, a year from now. Obviously, games change, but if you're a personality and people are engaging and they're there for you, it doesn't matter if you're playing Fortnite or Apex or Valorant or, you know, Fall Guys or, you know, whatever else the new hot game of the moment is among us. People are there for you. And, you know, there's a bit more predictability than, you know, a game gets patched, you know, a new teammate comes in, you know, ping, whatever, you know, whatever kind of variables change that kind of shift the competitive landscape. It's, you know, a bit more hard to predict how that's going to play out. Yeah. I think you have to stand for something and like reinforce it. And some other orgs have done a really good job with that. And we need to do it too. So it's like anytime we enter a new game or we have a new vertical or a new activation, people get a better idea of like what Immortals is about. And I think we can get there, but we have to define it better and be about it and prove it. That's why like zero profit pricing is, is a really good example. It's like, we're going like, to just do the stuff. And if someone's like, oh, yeah, that's a team that's like forego their their revenue to make more fans buy their stuff. Like, that's cool. And then, like, if we can keep, like, building on that narrative and showcase how we show up for fans physically and digitally, that's something. You know, it, it's something that's, that's different and it's an approach um, that we think can be meaningful. Yeah, and realistically, if you really understand business, you guys are actually really losing money because all the man hours and time, you know, handling all the back end stuff, the production, making sure the graphics and the images and even the press related to it, that's time. And, you know, the fact that you guys are even putting in that time to be able to provide it to the fans, I think, you know, really shows, you know, something as well. Mm hmm. 100%. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I also know you're, you know, one of the esports industry advisors for the Lost Tribe Esports. So tell us about them. You know, what are they working on and how are you kind of involved in them? Yeah, so Lost Tribe, uh, it's a great organization. It's founded by Lenny Silverman. I've been working with them for about three and a half years now. Um, and so the idea there is to help um, connect Jewish people from all over the world through gaming. So there's a lot of, you know, what we're calling the Lost Tribe, quote unquote, which is displaced Jews, which is Jewish people across the world who don't really have a connection to other Jewish people or to their own Jewish identity. And what we found through gaming and through sports content and digital and social media, um, we've been able to create this really amazing community of Jewish teens who connect from all over the world and get to know each other through gaming. Uh, we have 25,000 people who are signed up for this, uh, which is like a huge milestone. 
And we've been able to connect people from all over the world. So we'll do different gaming events around Jewish holidays, such as, you know, Hanukkah, for example, is, is an eight day festival of gaming. So we do eight nights of streaming where we kind of focus on like, you know, a different game each night for Hanukkah for our different uh, members to participate in. Uh, we have content creators that are people from the community who want to be content creators and grow their brand, who participate and do different activations with us. Last summer, when summer camps were canceled because of COVID, we built a Minecraft server um, that served as summer camp where you could like bring your character uh, and you could you could play in the server. There was like archery, there was swimming. Um, we did like a Zoom, so there was like um, Shabbat services. So it's been a really cool way to kind of bring some type of identity uh, for Jewish people and allow them to connect through gaming and in a safe and inclusive space. And I think the team's been really innovative and the response has been great. And for me as an advisor to the group, uh, it's been just a fun um, and really cool thing to, you know, part of what I talked about earlier in this discussion of like, vision and innovation and like using gaming for unique things that haven't existed yet. Um, doing this in my spare time has really helped me to kind of see like how you get things off the ground from the beginning and create in a fun and unique way. Amazing. Yeah. You know, I'm definitely, you know, keen on what they're doing and it's, it's always nice to see, you know, different organizations trying to, you know, engage with their community. And, you know, as we know, gaming is a, you know, a great equalizer. And the fact that everyone can be online, you know, makes communication, you know, even simpler. Yep. So, yeah, so to kind of, kind of bring this towards the end, what's some advice you have for anyone trying to work in the esports business? So one thing that I really like about this is that you can actually get in touch with esports companies a lot easier than you can with like, the Detroit Pistons, for example. So one thing that I recommend to people all the time is, you know, obviously like follow all these orgs on social media and like, comment, engage. Like there is somebody on the other line that's like actively looking at everything that the orgs put out and looks look at super fans and will engage with them. So you have an opportunity. Like when I was in college, it was literally I was like emailing people. Um, trying to hope that like, Hey, I went to Michigan. Like, did you go to Michigan? Maybe we could connect. This is like, you can direct, directly talk to people at the company through social. It's a huge advantage. That's one. Two, uh, even if you get in contact with people, what we, what I look for and what we look for is like demonstrated ability where like you've taken a risk and tried something. So for, even if it's like failed or it doesn't work, it doesn't be the best thing in the world, but we want to see people like who have gone out there and put themselves on the line. So if someone comes to and says, I really love to work in esports. I've been a big gamer uh, and I've been following your company and I think you did X, Y, Z, which is interesting. That's really good. That That's a really good door opener. And then what we really like to see is, you know, I can bring value to your org because I've, you know, helped organize a tournament on campus or uh, I, you know, I built my own PC or I've been following Overwatch and writing a blog content or I've done X, Y, Z to get more people involved. Like, even if it doesn't showcase necessarily, I joined my college club, you know, even if it doesn't showcase the biggest success in the world, that's okay. But what we really like to see is action when the stakes are low, because that means when the stakes are high, you're going to be ready, you're going to be prepared, and you're going to go for it. It's harder for us to make the leap on somebody if they don't have any demonstrated proof of not like, yeah, you don't, it's not like the most incredible experience, but demonstrated proof that like they want it so badly that like, 
they did it in their free time and put themselves out there in the beginning. So that's what I really look for is like someone who's knowledgeable, someone who's been reaching out on social, someone who showcases that can add value. And even if it doesn't work out with our company, um, they have their own thing kind of going and building upon that'll get them noticed by other orgs as well. And then the last thing I'll mention is like, I think there's a lot of um, networking up, which is always really good. But I tell people like, it's always best to network across like with your own colleagues and people of your own age, because um, those are the people that you're going to rise up together. And if you can collaborate and work well with people of your own age, those skills are so, so important. Once you get to a company, it's not always about just like having the best relationship with the CEO. Well, that's obviously important. You get ahead by like being able to work with your colleagues. It kind of work across the aisle, across like marketing and finance and legal. That's, that's where like the contenders and the pretenders are separated. So I tell people all the time, like work collaboratively with your own students, uh, with people of your own age demographic, your peers, because um, those skills are really important and you'll rise together. And when that happens, you'll have this foundation of like, you knew each other back when, and you helped each other out and worked together, you know, back in the day, quote unquote, and those types of foundational experiences before, you know, when the stakes were low, that's what sticks with people. And I think it's it's really important and sometimes gets lost. Well, I think that's all amazing advice, you know, for all my listeners or listeners out there, you know, he just dropped some gems, you know? Yeah. Like it's good to know the president, but at the end of the day, people that are going to be the president in 10, 15 years, your peers, that's who are going to be the true deciders. And, you know, I think that's, you know, something that I've, you know, even noticed coming in, you know, as an attorney on the younger age and just kind of going in on my own is, you know, some of the people that, you know, 10 years later, they're still around. Like, you know, people that met me six, seven, eight years ago at an event or at a networking event, it's like, you know, we've kind of almost kind of grown up together. You know, like they think about people down at the mail room and then you see each other on like, you know, the next floor. It's like, you know, I remember when we were, you know, sword and mail and now look at us. You know, I think that mm-hmm. it's, you know, an interesting kind of way to kind of grow with people. And then the opposite, right? Like if you, let's say you are successful, you kind of remember like the people that <laughs> never helped you, you know, or, or the people who like, you know, maybe at the time, well, as I was told in Ford, they moved on, you know, they've moved on to whatever they're trying to do. They, they moved on from helping you. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, I think that's always really good. And then, and then the last thing I'd say is just like really having a belief in like what you wanted to do. Like I wanted to work in sports. Um, and I personally felt like that was something that a lot of people told me not to do. Uh, and I, I, now I'm talking like when I was in college and then like graduating and that was kind of hard for me. Cause I had a lot of, uh, I felt like I got a lot of feedback that was like, don't, don't do that. Go, go a different route. Um, and I think if you, if you want to work in, in gaming and esports, you, you gotta kind of have this like, resolution that you're going to do what it takes and then you have to do what it takes <laughs> but like step one is just kind of being like no i'm going to do it like i'm going to try it i'm going to put myself out there i'm going to start my own podcast i'm going to do my own video blog i'm going to connect with people on linkedin like you've got to have to walk through you got to be the first person to walk through that door and you got to be your biggest advocate in doing so otherwise the default will be it won't happen because um 
you know, that person who told you not to do it, maybe like had, had, had their moment and didn't walk through the door themselves, or maybe walked the door and something bad happened to them. And who, who knows? It's all situations are different the way the industry is moving and technology is moving. So I tell people that all the time, like I got, I got, and it's okay, but I got along the way, people telling me, even when I switched from traditional sports to esports, they're like, you're leaving like a real game. You to mean the Clippers game. to play video games? Yeah. Or, you know, like I spent so much time at Gen G and we work so hard and I really like the team and the brands and the partners. Um, but it, this was like the right thing for me to do for like the path that I'm going. So I'd say like, you just got to be resolute in the direction you're going. And then when you have that kind of back against the wall, doing whatever it takes to keep going forward. Yeah, I mean, these entertainment, sports, music, you know, TV, esports, like these fun areas are tough and they're thankless and everybody wants them. And, you know, I can't imagine how many people are vying for, you know, the job at the NFL or NBA. So it's, you know, highly competitive and usually underpaid. But like you said, if this is something that you love and want to be involved in and you're willing to put in the work that it takes, you know, it could work out for you. Or if you if you can't get into those places now, think about what you can do now to get into those places. You know, so for example, like with social media, like if you can showcase that like you're you do something on Snapchat or on Instagram or on Twitter that's really, really good, those types of traditional sports teams are gonna be interested in you because you've demonstrated what you can do for their business. So at times you'll people are like, oh, I didn't get into the NBA, so I'm out. I'll never work there. That's not the case. The, the answer is just like spend the next two to three years working on a business or at a company that's relevant to the NBA. So after you get that experience, you could be like, this is what I could, you know, two years ago, I couldn't bring this to you, but now I can because I have XYZ experience that I think you'll find really interesting. And, and usually at this point, that's very you know, digital, social, mobile app, innovation focus. Absolutely. So, so what's your favorite part about working in esports? Um, I I really like I like the people I've worked like all the people that I've worked with. Um, I love the instant feedback and the passion from bands, but mostly I I really just love the business aspects and like being able to kind of build something from the ground up. It's really exciting for me. I get fired up um, every day to come to work, and because I just feel like you really get to kind of put a stamp on these businesses um, in your own unique way. And, and that's really cool. You know, I, I feel like when you can do that and you can look back at a project you've worked on and be like, yeah, I'm proud of it. I did that. Um, I worked with a great team in doing it. It resonated well. That's, that's what work should be about. It, it should be fulfilling. And I found esports to be very fulfilling. Awesome. So, you know, to conclude, you know, what's the future for immortals? Where are they going from here? Well, we're going to continue to invest in our competitive teams, which we have. Uh, we're going to grow and expand into new verticals. Uh, we're going to be building upon new business opportunities and commercial ventures. Uh, I think you're going to see us show up in really unique places around the country and in different ways. And I think we're going to really affect the narrative in terms of like how we build new fans and bring value to the community. So that's what we're really focusing on. We, we talk about, you know, we want to be an authentic, incredible entry point for fans and brands into the space. Uh, and that's kind of the prism through which we're going to be doing all of our activations and concepting. 
Awesome. So we'll definitely be on the lookout for that stuff. So, you know, I like to end each episode with my three questions. So what's your favorite game to watch? Ooh, uh, favorite game to watch. Well, I mean, I get, I get hyped during our league games. Like I was so fired up (laughs) during the playoffs, even though we we won our first and lost our second. So I would say that was like my probably best immortals game experience so far was that, um, so I would say that that was my best, most favorite game to watch while I've been with Immortals was our playoff win against Dignitas. Test. Mm-hmm. What about your favorite game to play? Well, to play, I played so many games growing up. Um, for me, like I, I'm actually very excited that Halo's coming back. I loved Halo. I still do. Uh, I kind of want to see what that competitive series looks like. I've played a lot of 2K and a lot of Fortnite as well. Um, a lot of NCAA too, but I would say a, a combination between Halo, Fortnite, and 2K have been my favorites. Awesome. So yeah, we're definitely excited to see how that new Halo all plays out. So, you know, who's your favorite video game character? Video game character? Yep. Mario, Luigi, Pikachu, any of those fun guys? I would say, um, I don't want to give myself too much, but I, I love GoldenEye. So can, I, can I say maybe some like James Bond or some iJob? Yeah, job? I mean, can never go wrong with James Bond. I, we, you know, when I, we played growing up, we used to never let anybody be odd job. So I'll say odd job. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. And, you know, we're definitely excited to see what, you know, where Immortals goes from there. So, Thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. And make sure to follow Mortals on Twitter. And follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, And check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.